listening to a podcast from Light FM. Unlocking the secret to better parenting. This is Growing Pains on the Light Breakfast. And today we're talking about kids that hit and bite with our resident child psychologist, Katiana Azman. So why do some kids have the habit of hitting or biting other kids? So there are generally two reasons as to why they do it. The first is that it's probably something that they have learned gets them what they're after quite effectively. So why they bite could be either as a way of communicating that they don't like something, right? So if someone has done something or if a child has taken a toy away from them or something that they don't generally enjoy, biting or hitting could be something as, it could be a form of communication by expressing to the other child and the people around them that, hey, I'm really upset that you've done this I don't like it right so that kind of could be why they're doing that it could also be something that they might have witnessed or learned from other children it's something that got them what they wanted so it's also very common if you have another hitter or biter in the family the younger siblings or the other siblings might tend to follow because they've seen it as an effective form of communication so we look at this as being more what I call behavioral so they're doing this because they're trying to communicate something or they don't like something or they're unhappy with something the second secondary reason is if it's for sensory causes, right? So we've talked previously in other episodes about how some children will present with sensory sensitivities, so either hyposensitive, so not sensitive enough specifically, or hypersensitive, so kids who are extremely sensitive to the five senses that we experience day to day. Um, This can come sort of in collaboration with conditions like autism or ADHD, or it can just be a standalone. And so children who might have these sensory issues, or what we sometimes called sensory processing disorder will tend to bite or hit as a form of sensory seeking. So if your child does seem to have a lot of quirks or aversions or issues with regards to anything sensory, so touch, smell, taste, hearing, you know the drill, not a bad idea to kind of get that looked into just so that you're not mistaking these sensory seeking behaviors as sort of the earlier sort of communicative um, approach because a lot of parents will kind of see it as problematic behavior and try to treat it and, and respond as such, not knowing that there's a sensory component behind it. I guess with anything when it comes to kids, we first want to understand the root cause because the biggest mistake we could make is to assume that this is due to behavioral reasons or that they're just stubborn or just these some of the types of words I've heard from other parents. And so you react in a way that corresponds to that assumption and oftentimes it's not effective. So we want to first make sure that there's no kind of underlying sensory reasons for why these children might be hitting or biting or lashing out in this very physical way and then kind of go from there. Katjana, what are some of the approaches to control or manage this behavior properly? You know, when we look at, so if we're assuming that the child has no sensory issues here, right? So we kind of park that to the side. When a child behaves in any particular way, um, we usually tell parents that there are three major reasons or three main reasons as to why children behave the way that they do. And it's important to understand which of the three it is before you figure out how you want to respond to the proper response, like what you were saying. So the first could be as a point of avoidance. So they're doing this or they're acting in this way because they want to get out of doing something. 
something. So is your child hitting or biting because they've been told to do something they don't want to do or they've been sort of pushed into a situation that they don't want to be in. So they use it as an approach to avoid or remove themselves from the activity or the situation itself. So is avoidance the, the cause there? The second could be whether it is attention, right? So I hate to say attention seeking, but is the child doing this because they're kind of wanting a response from the people around them, right? So either they're they're feeling a little bit ignored or mum um, and dad have given them a reaction that they don't really like. So they're using this as a way to kind of express like, hey, look at me, I'm not happy, right? Um, and the third reason is what we call need for tangibles. So this is sort of if the child wants something sort of physical, whether it be food, a toy, a gadget. Um, and so they're hitting and biting because they're trying to communicate that something that they want and they've either been denied it by the parents or they're finding it as a means to getting it. So some parents would say that when the child misbehaves, quote unquote, uh, is when they're more likely to give the child a device or a toy to kind of calm them down. So they see it as sort of a link there. So the proper way of reacting is to first understand which of it it is and then ensuring that you act in the opposite fashion. So for example, if a child is biting or hitting because they want attention and that's something that you have identified then the one thing you want to do is to not give them so much of that attention in that moment um, I'm not saying ignore your child but more just kind of keep yourself safe move them away from yourself or whoever it is that they're biting make sure that they're safe they're not in, in harm's way by hurting themselves but you ultimately don't want to have the back and forth of telling them even like no don't do that why are you doing this that kind of like argument if you will because that is the attention that they're sometimes seeking so just ensuring that they can kind of then their brain can build the connection that, hey, when I'm hitting and biting, I'm getting further and further away from what I want. So we're teaching them that there's not a very positive connection between their behaviors and the outcome that they'd like to achieve. So that's kind of how you would approach it. But first and foremost, you want to make sure that the child is out of harm's way. So if they're having a tantrum and they're lashing out and hitting and biting, you want to make sure that they're not going to present a risk to themselves or the people around them first before you kind of act on your plan. Would the approach differ is what I'm wondering when hitting and biting is coupled with stubborn or rebellious behavior, like when the child acts more aggressive when we scold them. So, of course, like I said, you want to make sure that the child isn't going to be, you know, like breaking skin or causing themselves to be really, really hurt by this action. So you want to ensure that, you know, if it means kind of just very gently putting your child's, pinning your child's arms to their sides so that they don't kind of keep hitting or kind of like, you know, turning the child's head away so they're not biting their arms or the body parts of other people. You want to make sure that that's something that you can actually do first. There really is no point in reasoning with a child who has reached a point like you've described where they're just very, very overwhelmed. They're screaming, they're kicking, they're biting. And it's coupled with the stubbornness of maybe not getting their way or something along those lines. So it's more important to kind of calm them down. So what I would recommend is to tell a child, especially if the child is older, that like, look, I know you're unhappy, but mommy is not going to speak to you until you can take a few deep breaths and calm down. And then we can see how we can fix it. And he's going to, he or she's going to be kicking and kicking and screaming until they get their way. But ultimately, once they understand that this is really not going to get the outcome, the after usually kids tend to kind of calm down even if it takes quite a fair while but the main goal is to be quite persistent so that kids don't learn that oh if i just 
kind of keep going and, and don't underestimate kids actually have a lot more endurance than adults so th- these these episodes can last quite a fair while but if you can kind of like you know stick with it then the hope is that the child will learn that this is not something that gets them the outcome that they're after if stubbornness or defiance is a pattern in your child's behavior it's something that you're seeing quite often then again we want to kind of look into that because like i mentioned with things like sensory behavior it's very very common that it occurs with things like adhd or oppositional defiance disorder or autism and so we want to make sure that we understand the root cause so that we can have an approach that's appropriate for this child now assuming this isn't necessarily behavioral with sensitivity issues for example what are the psychological effects of kids who don't stop hitting or biting others it's actually quite common. So some parents, especially parents who've never dealt with aggressive behavior before, so they never had siblings who were that way, they've never really encountered it other than their own children. They don't really know how to deal with it. And a lot of times it kind of scares them. They don't want their child to get hurt by restraining the child or anything like that. So they kind of just let it be. So they let the child kind of have their meltdown. Sometimes they give in. And unfortunately, what that does is that it tells the child unintentionally, of course, that this behavior is acceptable and often gets them the outcome that they're after. So the behavior is enabled, right? And ultimately, the problems that we see is that because it's something that is so effective in their primary environment, which is home, you will start noticing that these children will start behaving that way with their peers at school, maybe even in public. And so that's going to impact their social development because kids don't want to be friends with kids who hit other kids or bite you. Um, So you will start to see, and, and I have had some cases where even as young as like three or four years old, you have children saying, you know, I don't want to play with so-and-so because they're rough or because they hit me. So you will see the social development side start to struggle, right? So that's the main thing I see. The second thing would probably also be with regards to just how they function within sort of society. If they're not accustomed to being told no, if they're not accustomed to not getting their way, how are they going to function at work? How are they going to function, you know, at school? And so this will make it very difficult for them to engage with other people and make it through sort of the challenges of life. Because unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of moments where you have to do stuff you don't want to do you do get told no often as you get older and so these are the things that i feel these kids will struggle with if it's not dealt with at a young age so in a, in addition and to add on to that what sort of behaviors might manifest later on if it's not attended to like in their teens perhaps I mean, anger management issues, I think, is something that I'm seeing quite a fair bit in these teenagers. They're often not taught very many or any coping skills when they feel upset. So they will describe sort of like going from calm to super upset in one step. So because of that, you'll see these kids really struggle with just disappointment, with things not going their way. They have a huge issue with regulating. So when it comes to addressing problematic behavior, the longer it's allowed to happen, the longer it festers, the harder it is to fix. It's kind of like with medical illnesses, right? The longer it goes on, treatment becomes even harder. So that's why it's always good that if we're able to catch it early, to address it when you can. Because if you're kind of thinking like, oh, you know, my child's really young, I'm going to let my child act in this way and then when they're like 15 I'll deal with it but this child has had 15 years of his or her life being allowed to do a certain thing and getting away with a certain thing and then telling them at 15 that okay you now have to reprogram that behavior and find 
a different way to adjust, it becomes harder. And it becomes even more difficult when we have grown adults coming in in their 30s and 40s wanting to address anger management or issues that they just didn't get the chance to deal with when they were younger. So I think it's really about sort of the struggle of telling older individuals to change how they act after having gone their entire life being able to behave the way that they did. Yeah, that is super tough. But so possible, especially if the problem that was kind of the root of everything is kind of eradicated or removed. Perhaps that would be easier. Thank you so much, Katiana. You can listen to all of our Growing Pain sessions again on the Light Breakfast podcast found on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.